Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Verse number three, I'll, be, I'll try, let me say it like this. I'm trying to be mindful of your time today. I might just cut short on what I have prepared here this morning because I'm confident with what I have here, I could go probably longer than you want to stay. All right? Uh, being where we are right now time-wise. But I'll try to be mindful of that. Amen? And as you know, what I say oftentimes concerning that, anytime I say I'm mindful of it, that just means I'll be aware of what time it is. That's really all it means. <laughs> Amen. So, just not to make me a liar. Amen. Verse number three, starting, I want to read down to verse number eight. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi that he, that he founded. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Ye are partakers of my grace for God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today I'm going to talk to you about a pastor's joy and prayer. A pastor's joy and prayer. That's really what we have, amen, here in the few verses that I've read to you today. Amen. We've done a lot of praying, but you never go wrong with praying. We need the Lord's help today, amen, that our lives will be open to his word. Father, I need you this morning. I pray, oh God, anoint my mind and these lips. God, I'm an earthen vessel. God, an earthen vessel with a glorious treasure that's been entrusted to me. I pray, oh Lord, today that you're able to minister to every hearer. Lord Jesus, that we would not be hearers only, but doers also of the word. The prophet is in the doing of the word. I pray, oh God, today, speak, Lord Jesus, to us through the book of Philippians. And we'll thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Philippians is just a little different from some of the other epistles or some of the other letters that Paul wrote uh, to the churches that he addressed or individuals that he addressed. As you read through the different epistles that are in the New Testament, many were written and they were wrote because they were dealing many times with problems that had risen in the churches. Uh, as a matter of fact, whenever you read First and Second Corinthians, a lot of what Paul's writing about is the problems uh, that are going on in the church, which gives me always comfort because it lets me know it doesn't matter if it's 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago or now or 1,000 years from now. There's always going to be some semblance of a problem or trouble or some issue that happens within the church. And I, I, I prescribe that that's probably the way it's always going to be as long as the church is made up of people. 
And so a lot of the epistles dealt with those type of things. However, Philippians is arguably one of Paul's most joyful and positive epistles, though he's writing it from being in stocks and bonds in prison. And in reality, is really waiting, awaiting a possible execution, yet he's joyful and positive because of the success, if you want to call it that, that's going on in the church of Philippi. In one regard, the church at Philippi, they didn't seem to have like some of the other churches, some of these horrific problems that were spreading among them. It's not like they were having a problem with fornication going on as Corinthians was or divisions or anything like that. So that's a very positive thing that Paul could be joyful about. But secondly, Paul was a ecstatic because the gospel, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection, the preaching of that, the emulating of that in people's life through their repentance, baptism, and infilling of the Holy Ghost, all of that was continuing despite him being in prison. I mean, he had propagated the message. He had preached the message. He had spoke it. And although he is in bonds right now, the message is carrying on. And that's a great testament, of course, not only to Paul, but it's a great testament to those that he spoke to, to take what they had learned and what they had been taught and to continue in it. Amen. In his absence. Amen. And so Paul's incarcerated, of course, because of the gospel. He's incarcerated because of the message that he has been preaching. And although he's incarcerated because of the gospel, the scriptures in different places tells us that the gospel was not held hostage. Paul's hands are in stocks and his feet are in bonds, so to speak. But Paul, even in his writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, relays that the word of God, though, though he may be bound, is not bound. He says in 2 Timothy 2, in verse number eight, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble because he suffered because of the gospel. That's where all the accusations came. That's where his imprisonments came because of his preaching. I suffer trouble because of this gospel, no doubt. As an evildoer, even into bonds, I've been tied up. I've been imprisoned, but I love the last phrase. But he says, but the word of God is not bound. The speaker, the minister, uh, the, the, the means by which the gospel came to you, he's in literal bonds, he said, but the word's not bound. It's still free and has free course among you and is still doing a work. Oh, that's one of the treasures of the gospel. That's one of the treasures of the word of God. That it doesn't matter what happens to us. It still moves and lives and flows and acts and produces and reproduces. Amen. On fertile ground. And so Paul had a few things to be thankful for, had a few things to be joyful about. Number one, that there was the continuance of the Philippian church. He founded it. You can read of it in Acts chapter number 16, where the church of Philippi was founded. He founded it, but it continues beyond just having its initial start. And not only that, he is joyful and he is thankful again that the gospel is continuing, though he is in his present circumstances. And so all of this, as a pastor, as a founder of a church, as a preacher of the gospel, all of this brings much joy, amen, to the apostle Paul. Amen. And so I say today that the Philippian church went forward and continued because it had a good start. It had a good start. As a matter of fact, the church at Philippi, in one way, it, it mirrored it mirrored the church that was birthed in the book of Acts in one particular way. 
In Acts 1 and 2, we read of the birth of the church, amen, and when the Holy Ghost first fell upon the people in the upper room. And so the church at Philippi mirrors this in one particular way. The Bible says in Acts 1, 14, speaking of the disciples that were gathered in the upper room, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, the scripture even says was there, and about 120 we find out was there. The Bible says that these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. This is prior to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This is prior to God's spirit coming down and them witnessing cloven tongues of fire setting on all of them. They had a prayer meeting. They had a prayer meeting and continued in that prayer meeting as Jesus told them, go to Jerusalem and tarry until the promise comes. And their interpretation of him telling them to tarry until the promise comes is that we're going to wait or tarry by praying. And in that prayer session of seven or ten days, you could argue which one, but nonetheless, several days of prayer, the Spirit of the Lord came, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2, and the, the New Testament church was birthed. Well, the similarity between that early church in Acts 2 and the church that Paul founds Philippi in Acts 16 is this is that whenever Paul he's on his second missionary trip and he goes to Philippi uh, and we understand he's there of course absolutely by the leading of the Lord the Bible says that he was going to go to Asia but the spirit forbade him to go there it says then he was going to go to Bithynia and the spirit said no don't go there so the spirit is guiding him and he said in the night he had a vision from the Lord and in this vision, there was a man from Macedonia, which Philippi is the chief city of, was saying, come over and help us. And whenever Paul awakened from this vision, he made purpose to go to Macedonia to help them to preach the gospel, to spread the gospel. And he went there to Philippi. Now, here's why I say Philippi mirrors the early church of Acts 1 and 2, because in order for there to be a synagogue within a city, Paul's normal way of reacting when he went to a city he hadn't been before was find the synagogue, go in there, minister, teach, preach. All right? They'd usually always find a synagogue. But in order for there to be a synagogue in the city, there had to be a minimum of 10 Jewish men to necessitate a synagogue. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us in verse number 12 of Acts 16 that Paul had been in the city of Philippi for certain days, for several days. And evidently from what we can deduce, there was no synagogue. We don't find him entering the synagogue, preaching or teaching. And because there wasn't, you can read this in Acts 16, your Bibles. The Bible says on the Sabbath, he went to the riverside that was just outside the city. And wouldn't you know that he met there a woman named Lydia, the seller of purple, and some others. And guess what they were doing by the riverside? Praying. Amen. No, not enough men, Jewish men, to necessitate a synagogue. But there were some ladies that said, we're still going to go out by the riverside and we're going to have some prayer. And it was in this prayer meeting that Paul begins to convey the lovely gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the Lord had already opened up the heart of Lydia to be receptive to the word and the message that Paul preached. And when it was all said and done, she and her household, according to Acts 16, were baptized. What did you have? The birth of the Philippian church. So I, I say today, now time removed as Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, 
why he is so joyful about the church, so thankful for them because they are continuing in what they started in. And they are able to do that, I say by and large, because they had a good start. Their church was started like the early church and it all started with prayer. I'll even say today, prayer is a good oil for the mechanism of the church. Not only to begin, but to continue even an hour. This isn't just a New Testament thing. This is a church thing. This is a body of Christ thing. It was started with prayer. It'll be maintained by prayer. It'll continue with prayer. And maybe one of these days while we'll pray, we'll be translated. It's a good start, but it's also a good life. Amen. And so he's thankful. He's very joyful. Amen. Concerning them in this whole prayer. Amen. Thing that's taking place. He even says, I'm thankful every look. Look now. This is important because he's the founder, kind of like the pastor. He had several churches that he overseen. But Paul is thankful and he tells them every time I remember you, I pray. And it gives me great joy because you started the first day well, and you've continued that discipline along the journey even until now. Folks, let me tell you something. There's nothing that makes a pastor's heart any more pleased than to see the people that started are the people that are continuing. Paul says, every time I remember you, it puts a smile on my face. Every time I remember you, it brings a joy in my heart. Why? Because you, you didn't stop. You didn't throw in the towel. You didn't try an easier path. But you're keeping on, keeping on. You're continuing, amen, as you have started. Amen. No doubt. The, uh, the, the, the people at Philippi had their ups and downs, so on and so forth. He says, but from now, from, from, from then until now, you, you're still here. You're still continuing. And he's even confident of this. He tells us in verse number six. And he says, I'm being confident that God who begun a work in you will perform it or finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. He that begun the work will finish it. Amen. It will come to completion at the rapture, at the calling away of the church. Now look now, Paul, again, different epistles in, in, in the New Testament that Paul's writing to in churches. He writes to the Galatians in Galatians 3.3. 3. This is how things differ, if you will, some among the churches. He says to the church at Galatia, he says, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect? Question. Are you now made complete by the flesh? Woo. See, not every church was like Philippi. There were Corinthians and Galatia. And he says, you all, let me say it like this. You all had the same start. Mm. You all had the same start. But some of you are trying to run differently than the way that you started the race. You began in the spirit. He said, is it going to be completed in the flesh? Someone say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at verse number five of our scripture text this morning in Philippians 1. Paul begins to speak to them something that makes him happier that he is proud of and that he's confident of and brings him joy is their fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. In verse five, he speaks about their fellowship 
also can be translated partnership in the gospel. All right. And then it is in verse six that he goes on and talks about how God is going to perform that good work that he begun in them and is going to finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so we got two things here. He's talking about their partnership and then he's talking about God doing the work in them. And if we're not careful, we can get this thing all muddled and mixed. All right. We can lose the proper perspective. It's not all about what we do. But it's not all about what he does without us either. We're partners in this. God does stuff in us, but he won't do anything in us beyond our will of allowing him to do it. You hear me? God is a gentleman. He doesn't force. He doesn't intrude. If he's begun to work and continues to work, it's because we're allowing the work to be done. But if it isn't, if we're trying to finish in the flesh, guess what? Someone said, you can stop your work right here. What are you saying? We, could, we draw the line in the sand. You could do all of this in my life, God, but this. Oh, so this isn't about just Paul McGee doing something because I, my works ain't going to amount to a hill of beans much. Amen. But whenever I get in partnership, are you hearing me? My, my works ain't going to do a hill beans within themselves much, but when I get in partnership with what God's doing in my life, everything changes. Everything. And it's not about me, Brother Ethan, sitting on the sidelines saying, you do it, God, go on and do it. It don't work that way. You, you got to allow God, amen, into areas of your life and places of your life that you would maybe allow no one else, amen, to alter, make changes, sand off, deconstruct to reconstruct amen it is a partnership and so there is a partnership actually in the greek or in the greek of the fellowship it literally means there is participation i like that he says i'm i'm so glad about your participation in the do you hear what i'm telling you right now fellowship isn't about eating chicken legs and having a good time at a potluck According to the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippi, it's not about just, you know, eating whatever, you know, broccoli casserole and having a few pumpkin pie desserts. Fellowship for the Apostle Paul in the gospel meant participation. Amen. It meant participation. That's the reason why around here you're going to see people, they're going to be involved in music, they're going to be involved in singing, they're going to be involved in teaching, they're going to be involved in cleaning, they're going to be involved. What is that? That's participation. In the gospel, yeah, the death, burial, and the resurrection, not only that, in propagating the gospel, but you need participation in the gospel in your life. Always a bearing about, the, the apostle Paul said, always a bearing about my body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also... What are you saying? There's some things that need to die in Paul McGee today for resurrection life to have preeminence in me for tomorrow. Always die. Always. You never quit dying. In this Christian life, Christian experience, you never quit dying. I've even found some dead things that I thought was dead try to resurrect. You never, you never quit dying. Man, aren't you ready for our next fellowship meeting? That's called participation meeting. Amen. 
So God works in us, of course, because we submitted to it or been obedient to what he desires to accomplish in and through our lives. Someone say, God has a plan for me. He does. He does. I don't remember the individual or the author. He said, the root awakening, the root awakening someday will be standing before the Lord. And he just make it, he, not as though this is the way it's going to be, but he was just saying. He said, standing before the Lord as I am and ha- him having right next to me the way that he wanted me to be. Again, not as though that's the literal thing that's going to take place, but just the concept of the idea. Will one mirror the other or will one be greatly deficient compared to what he had in mind? But the work, according to the book of Philippi, that God is doing, it won't be complete until the day of Christ. We are, we are vessels that are still on the potter's wheel. Water's added, pressure's being put on the inside and the outside to make this vessel. He's not throwing us in the kiln yet to harden it. We're still, we're still works of clay on the vessel. Perfection, for that matter, isn't even per se expected. But I will say this, progress toward the goal is. From start to finish or from start to the present, Paul was looking at. Paul says, God wrought a good work in you and will finish it because Why? You've been a partner with me in the gospel and in what he is doing in your life. We'll look at this later in Philippians, but we'll look at it right now just a little bit. Philippians 2 and verse number 12, Paul continues speaking to them and says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. That is a good verse with pastor congregation and pastor relationship. I don't want to get too deep here because we'll hit it later. But he says, you've always obeyed whether I've been there or not. They didn't get a little more basic. You always obeyed whether I was, whether I was around or not. We, we don't want to lay too heavy there because we'll get to that here in a little bit later, later, weeks. <laughs> he says, work out your own salvation. So here we are again. I'm, am I doing this? Is God doing this? What's going on? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and we... Too many people stop at that verse and just one verse, take it out. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I've explained this before, I'll explain it again. When you receive the spirit of the Lord, he is in you to do a work. And that this, this is the phrase, and I don't know if I pick this up, so, you know, you do so much in life sometimes you can't remember if you just said something or someone else said something, you're just parroting what they said but this is the thing it is our responsibility to work out what God has worked in he's worked it in us but now it's our responsibility to let that thing surface and work out of us so the Lord began the good work consider this if you will for the founding of the church in Acts 16 again if you read Acts 16 concerning that woman Lydia that was kind of like the first convert of the Philippian church the Bible says plainly that the Lord opened her heart. Before Paul ever spoke a word, before he ever shared the gospel, the Bible says the Lord opened her heart. And so when the gospel was presented, guess what happened? She'd been praying by the riverside, and she's a recipient of that. She takes that. She's baptized. She in her household. What's happening? The Lord's doing a work. Huh? But Lydia's been praying, and Lydia's been is responding 
to the word that you receive too. There is a partnership. There is a partnership that is there. The Bible even says in Acts 16, 14, that Lydia even worshiped God. Listen, this is before baptism. This is, huh? This is before her, her experience. She had some type of affinity toward a higher power, so to speak. So there is a partnership that is taking place. There's a fellowship. There's, there's a fellowship meeting out at the river. <laughs> a participation in the gospel. And so she, she was kind of, you know, working out what the Lord was working in. And so you, the fact of the matter is this. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. A good work can't be completed in, if, in you if a good work's not started in you. I know that's very elementary and basic, but that, that's the fact of the matter. The Bible today, uh, uh, which is a book, it says it like this. The seed must be carried out before the sheaves can be carried in. Amen. So I post this morning, I'm mindful of the time. What would the church look like? Think with me. What would the church look like? What would your life look like if you partnered with God in what he desired to do in your life? What would happen? What would happen if the prayer that birthed you became the daily prayer that sustained you? Amen. Staying with me, this will be a good landing spot. I could go on for probably 15 or so more minutes or 20. But this will be, I'm, I'm trying to be conscious. I'm feeling really good about this too. I mean, I'm going to have to deal with the spirit of pride this afternoon because I feel like it didn't really. What would it look like? What would it look like? If, if Paul was our pastor, huh, I guess he is in some respects. <laughs> but if Paul was our pastor, would he be able to write a letter today to the first apostolic church and say, every remembrance of you, when I pray, gives me joy because we're in this partnership and fellowship of the gospel together and what was started You've continued until this day. And what God has helped produce in your life, he's going to finish in your life. I'm confident of. Notice, Paul's confidence is more so in God's ability. He doesn't really make some, some right there in that mode. He doesn't really make any type of leanings toward their ability, but in what God is able to do. And what, what is unspoken as long as we'll allow him to do it. In other words, I'm confident God can do everything he would want to do in your life. As long as you allow him a foothold in your life. That's the joy. It's the joy and the prayer of a pastor. And we'll look at some other things next week. And we'll mesh all kinds of stuff together. Well, this is going to be good. Amen. This is going to be good. Not because I'm doing it, because God's word, amen, is so precious and so relevant to our lives. Amen. Anywhere we are. Brother Mason, if you'll come. If we can... 
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.